Well, again, good morning. Welcome to Northridge Church. Uh, all of you welcome, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online and watching from there, that's awesome. So glad that you are here today. And, and I just want to say this, we're glad you're here, no matter if you have been walking with Jesus for a really long time or you're here and you're just maybe brand new to this whole faith thing, that's okay. Or maybe you're even here and you would say, man, I'm not even there yet, I am at the place where I'm not even sure I believe in Jesus yet. No matter where you are on that spectrum, we're just thankful that you joined us, that you, you're checking this thing out and that you're in here. And so no matter what, where you are in that spectrum with Jesus, thank you for being here. So I want to start with a story. There's a story about a couple of hunters. And these two hunters, they wanted to go out and they wanted to hunt in the wilderness, in the mountains. They were going after elk. All right, they were going to go hunt some elk. And so the only way they could get into this wilderness area was to hire a pilot and a plane to fly them in. Okay? And so they did that. They hired a pilot. They got a plane, everything. He flew them in. He dropped them off. They hunted for two weeks. And, uh, and then the pilot and the plane came back to pick them up. And he found when he got back there that each of the two hunters had each shot an elk. And so they both had an elk carcass they wanted to take back, you know, with the antlers and all that stuff, back home. And so the problem was the pilot looked at the size of these two elk and the hunters and all their gear. And he's like, man, this is not going to happen. And so he told the hunters, he said, I can't take both elk. We can choose one of them to bring back, but not both of them. And the hunters were like, they were really upset about that. And so they started to kind of push back on the pilot. They were like, well, we came back to this same area last year. We hired a pilot just like we did this year. And his plane was basically the exact same looking plane that you have right here. And he took us, you know, he agreed to fly us out with, you know, with our two elk last year. So why can't you do this? And so the pilot was like, ah, Okay, I guess we'll try it. It just feels like there's a lot of weight and all kinds of, okay. So they get everything loaded in and the pilot takes off. And right away, the pilot realizes this is not good because there's too much weight in the plane. And so he takes off and he starts flying and he's, and he's trying to get altitude, trying to get altitude, but he can't get altitude. And so he realizes I'm not even going to make it over the first mountain. And he doesn't have time, enough time to turn around and get back and, and, and land where they were. And so he has to crash land on a meadow on the side of the mountain, this huge meadow. They all survive. They're all crime, climbing out of the plane. And the one hunter looks at the other hunter and he says, hey, where do you think we are? Where did we end up? And the hunter looks around for a few seconds. And he looks around and he says, you know, I think we're about two miles south on the same mountain where we crashed last year. <laughs> boom, boom, right? Takes a minute though, doesn't it? You're like, wait a minute. Oh, that's dumb, right? The truth is, I tell you that story to tell you this. The two hunters had two problems. One, they had a problem viewing accurate reality, didn't they? They had a real problem with seeing their situation through actual truth. The other problem that was happening with these two hunters is they did not learn from their mistakes, did they? They crashed last year. They tried to load two elk again this year. They crashed again. The truth is I bring this up because today's message and this series that we're in is really important that we see our lives correctly. That we view our lives honestly. 
with reality. And that we learn from our past and current mistakes. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of mistakes in my past and I have a few current ones too. Just talk to my wife, as I always say, she will make sure that you understand that's the truth. I have plenty of mistakes going on in my life. And so today, we're going to continue the series that we started last week called Shatter versus Bounce. Very simply, this is the simple premise in this series. So I have a couple of balls here today. This one is a rubber ball, right? It's made of rubber. Imagine that. It's called a rubber ball, bouncy ball, right? Because why? Because it bounces. It's made when I throw it or when I drop it, it's made to bounce. It's made to come back right to me and return to me. Now, most things in your life are rubber balls. They are meant to be dropped. They are meant to be thrown down for an hour, for a few days, for a few weeks. In fact, there are quite a few things in our life that we never even should have picked up or bought at the store. Rubber ball represents everything in your life that is less important than the real stuff. The really important things. The rubber ball represents just about everything in your life. Put that against this. The glass ball. The glass ball is not made to bounce, is it? It's not made to return to you in the same way if you throw it down or if you drop it. What happens if you drop a glass ball? It shatters, doesn't it? It cracks, it breaks, it, it blows into a thousand pieces. It's destructive, it causes pain, it causes shame. A glass ball is the stuff that is the most important in our life. It's the thing that we need to cherish, that we need to make sure we invest and we focus on everything. So we have the things in our life that are rubber balls. They can be and should be dropped at times at least. And then we have the things in our life that are the glass ball. Things that we should never let go of because they will shatter. And so we're going to get into it here again this morning. Of course, last week I kind of made the premise and I kind of talked about this. Today I want to take a little bit different spin on it. We're going to dig into it a little bit. And so last week I gave you a challenge. And I don't usually do this, but I give you a challenge for this series. This series is four weeks long. This is the second week. And the challenge that I gave to you was to read the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. It's a sermon that Jesus preached on the side of a mountain in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So if you weren't here last Sunday and you didn't hear that, that's okay. You can jump in with this challenge. I'm challenging everybody to read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, at least once a week throughout this series. So you read it at least four times. If you want to read it every day, like I am doing, you can do that. Can I be honest with you? I missed a couple of days this week. I know, some of you are like, oh, you're our pastor. If you can't do it, okay, I'm just telling you. Now, I'm not saying I didn't read Scripture. I did, but I didn't, I, you know, my, my little alarm went off and said, read the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm like, oh, dang it. You know, it was like late at night. And I'm going, oh, I didn't read it. And so, and I tried to, I was like, I was too sleepy, I fell asleep. So I'm going to read it a couple extra times this week to make up, right? Because God is like, Bickle, you're worthless. No, no, he doesn't, he's not saying that, okay? But I gave you this challenge. You know why I gave you this challenge to read the Sermon on the Mount? Because this, the Sermon on the Mount, essentially, it's, there's a lot to it, but essentially the theme is, Jesus is telling us what is really not that important to our life and what is ultra important to our life. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. 
He's saying this stuff is not that important. You need to let this go. And this stuff, oh, you need to, you need to hold this and cherish this. That's, that's basically the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you've been reading the Sermon on the Mount, I'm wondering if you have more questions about Jesus than when you started. My guess is you do. Because it's not one of those sermons where you just walk away and be like, oh, this is really nice that Jesus said this. He's like, bam, bam, bam. He's just hammering home, isn't he? And my guess is you have more questions now than when you did before. That's okay. Lean into that. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the middle key verse of that sermon. And I shared it last week. I'm going to share it again. It's our key verse for this series. They're Jesus' words right in the middle of the sermon. Listen to what he says. Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above all else, first, centered, before anything. It's the most important. And then it says, Jesus says, and live righteously. I talked about this last week. That means to live rightly according to God. Not according to you or somebody else. Live righteously, live rightly according to God's standard. God's word. Live righteously. And he, God, will give you everything you need. Now, you might be saying, well, why do we have to put God first? Why does God have to be like the ultimate, most important glass ball thing in our life? Here's why. Because elsewhere in Scripture, it tells us that God's will for you, God's will for me, God's will for this world and this universe, God's will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. God's will is good, It's pleasing, and it's perfect. I don't know about you, but that's a really high standard. Like, that's a really tall shelf. But that's God's will. And his will for you, it may not be the will that you choose, but his will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so putting God first means that we are filtering everything in our life through God, through the most important glass ball in our life. And that is our faith. That is God. That is Jesus. And and God will show us all the other things in life and what we need to do. And so today, how do we get practical on this? Because I don't know about you, but you're like, some of you are like, yeah, you're kind of preaching to the choir here. Some of you are like, you're nodding your head. You're like, yeah, I'm with you. But how do we do that? How do we seek God first? How do we put God first? How do we do these things in the modern day 2023 context? Good question. And what I would say is, it's a simple word. We would say priorities. (laughs) Priorities. What do you choose to think about? What do you choose to spend your money on? What do you choose to focus on? What do you spend your time doing? What are you worried about? What do you think about? What are you focused on? Our priorities. So most of us have probably seen what I'm about to share. Uh, At least in the United States, this this gets a lot of play. And it used to, not as much anymore. It's kind of become passe, so to speak. But it was really, really famous and popular probably about a decade or two ago. So let me share you with this. This is called the Eisenhower Matrix. Probably you've seen this. Stephen Covey made this really famous, okay, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And what he basically contended is that everything in your life essentially falls into the category of urgent, not urgent, or important, not important. 
Okay? Everything in your life can be categorized by these two levels, urgent and or important. Okay? So let's walk through this really, really quickly. Quadrant one, top left corner as you're looking at it, top left corner. These are the things that are urgent and important. So let me give an example of this. This would be like if your house is on fire, okay? We all know that would be urgent and important. We all know it's important. Of course, we need to probably do something about it. But we also know it's urgent. Most of you are not going to see your house on fire and be like, huh, wow, look at that thing go. I'll take care of that tomorrow because I have an email to finish. You're not going to do that, right? Why? Because not only is it important, but it's also urgent. You need to get going. It's important now. Okay? Okay. Important energy. Uh, let me give one other example of this. I shouldn't do this, but we're going there. Okay? You know what a really important and urgent thing is in my life? When I get the look from my wife. I'm just curious in the room to make sure I'm not alone. How many of you have seen the look in your life? Anybody willing to admit this? Okay. Thank you. I'm so glad you're willing to be honest this morning in church, okay, uh, before God. Okay, good. Now, so you've seen the look. If you know the look, I've gotten the look. I've gotten the look many, many times, many times. And you know what the look tells me? It tells me that there's something very urgent and very important going on. If I ignore the urgent part of it, it is to the detriment of my happiness in my life. I'm just telling you. It's true. Okay? I need to be urgent about it. Why? Because it's important to Laura. I don't even know what I'm doing, but it is important and I need to figure it out today. Right? I need to figure out right now. It's urgent and important. That's okay. There are things that are urgent and important. Normal. Okay? Let's go to quadrant two. Okay. Quadrant two is not urgent, but it's very important. Okay? This is usually, for most people, exercise. For most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, exercise is important. We know it's important, but it's not usually urgent, at least not for me. Okay? This, is, this is not what I, I don't wake up every morning and go, man, you know what I have to do today? I have to work out. Like I have to, I have to work out right now. I have to do it now. I don't want to have a donut. I don't want to go to quick trip. I just don't want to do that. I want to work out right now. It is urgent for me to do this. How many of you wake up that way? Okay, you're with me? Some of you are like, no, I'm with you. It's not urgent. Now, some of you, working out is urgent. Like, this is what you do. I know, because I'm friends with many of you that are like this. You make me sick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We're friends. I love you. I'm serious. And you know what? I have friends that are really good at working out. And I mean this, they, they hold me to another standard that I need to make it more urgent than it is. Okay, that's the truth. But exercise for most of us is in the category of not urgent, but it's important. Because if we decide to neglect it, we all know where that goes. It's not a good place. It's just not. It's not urgent, but it is important. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, so the third one is urgent, but not important. So these are things probably, honestly, I would say most emails, most text messages would fit into this category. Right? And, and how many of you, let me, let me prove this to you, okay? How many of you are sitting in a situation where you really should not be checking your phone? You should not be looking at your phone, like church or something like that. Just kidding. That just came to me. I was like, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking of a boardroom meeting or something like that. But anyway, whatever the situation is, you should not be looking at your phone, and all of a sudden you hear the ding, 
right? Or you get the buzz on your watch. That's what I do. I get and I'm like, ooh, somebody texted me. Now, this is what immediately happens. What happens to you? I don't know if this happens, but my brain goes to, ooh, who is that? I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's good. I wonder if it's bad. Maybe I'm being invited to a Badger game. I should probably check it. I should do that. Anybody else in the same zone that I'm in? Right? Well, all of a sudden, it's like urgent. You know, I'm like, oh, I have to check my phone. I need to do it. I'm like, don't do it, Brent. Don't do it. I'm like, no, I have to do it. Oh, it's just a stupid cat emoji. Okay, no. <laughs> Ever had that? I've had that. And 27 other people are on there like, yay, cat emoji. Like, love, man. I'm like, ding, ding. Ah. <sighs> my phone sucks. <laughs> right? And the truth is that there are some things that are urgent. They feel like I have to do this right now. But they're not that important. We've got to set them aside. Please don't do that. You're wasting time. And then quadrant four is, of course, the lower right. And that's not an urgent. It's not urgent. It's not important. These are honestly the things that we probably shouldn't do largely at all. But we actually spend a lot of our time in our life in quadrant four. Uh, this would be things like scrolling social media. This would be things like game apps on your phone. They're not urgent and they're not important. And some of you, I know you're like, whoa, back up now. I like my scrolling. I know we all do. It's an addiction. It's, that's why they do it. How did I get ready this morning? Because my phone has a flashlight on it because they want me to grab that thing every moment of the day. The truth is, it's not urgent and it's not important. And yet we spend so much time on these things. Rubber ball stuff. Rubber ball. And so let's talk about priorities here today because if you think about this, this matrix, where do the vast majority of the glass ball things, the most important things in our life, which quadrant do they fall in? It's not, I'll give you a hint. It's not one, it's not three, it's not four. It's the top right. I only left you with one. <laughs> it's the top right. See, glass ball things are never really urgent, but they're really, really important. That's why we can cast these aside and drop them and shatter them all the time. Because nobody says, man, I really need to get home and read God's word like right now. I, need, I, have, to, I have to do it. Right? I have to go out and shoot baskets with my son because if I don't, I might miss that opportunity today. I have to go out and shoot baskets with him right now. We don't do that. Why? Because it's not urgent. Everything else is. And yet what I would contend is that the things that you're sacrificing, shooting baskets with your kid and, and reading God's word and praying and scripture and prayer and building into relationships, you're, you're actually sacrificing these things for these things. And God is saying, these things are gonna be destroyed. They're gonna be gone. They don't last. And by the way, you can drop it and pick it up. The email's still gonna be there. That cat emoji's still gonna be there. Not always true with this. If you drop this, it shatters. And so how do we get our priorities straight? Well, my suggestion would be that we take some suggestions from Scripture, from God's Word. Because one of the most powerful things that you will get from reading God's Word, from reading Scripture, 
is God will help you understand what the priorities need to be in our life. That's one of the most important reasons we need to get into this is so that we understand how I need to be thinking, what I need to be focusing on. And so let me just share uh, a couple of examples from Scripture. So this comes from the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a bunch of followers of Jesus, Christians, in a town called Philippi. And uh, he wrote a letter to them, and he's kind of helping them to understand how to live a faithful follower of Jesus kind of life. Okay? So listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes this. Don't worry about anything. That's kind of a lot of things, by the way. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> Nothing. Okay? Instead, pray about everything. That's a lot too. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, God's peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, I love when, when Scripture says brothers and sisters, just know that that's a cue that he is speaking directly to followers of Jesus. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. So he says brothers and sisters. So he's talking to those of us who believe in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. It's quite a list. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. In other words, what is the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying, focus on the things that matter most. Invest your thoughts on that. Invest your time in that. Invest your money into those things. Make sure you're spending your life on the things that matter absolutely the most. In fact, before I get to the next scripture, let me just pause because I, I feel, I'm feeling this in the room. When I share these things, a lot of us can, I think, immediately we go to all the shattered glass in, our, in your life. Some of you are stuck on it. You're like, I, I already dropped a glass ball. In fact, I threw several of them down. I never should have broken them. The relationship's gone. I destroyed some things in my life. I never should have let them go. Some of you are just, you're just stuck there. You're, you're feeling so ashamed right now. You're like, you've got a good face on, but you're like, let me just say this. The whole point of Jesus is to give you hope of redemption and reconciliation and putting the pieces back together. Just because the ball is shattered doesn't mean it's completely gone forever. Jesus has the power to bring it back and make beauty out of ashes. More scripture. In fact, if you really want to know, the next two weeks of this series, we're actually going to spend more time on how we make sure we get the glass ball stuff in our life and making hard decisions to do that. We're going to hear a personal story about that, and we're going to hear a story about defeating shame. Anybody else feel shame because of the shattered glass in their life? That's what I spend probably the most time talking to people about, I would say over coffee. I have a lot of coffee. I hate coffee, but I sit in coffee shops a lot. 
And you know what people talk to me about? They talk to me about shattered glass in their life. More often than not, myself and the other person, we're crying in a coffee shop because we're dealing with stuff that was long ago and stuff that they feel ashamed about. And what I would say is there is hope. Jesus gives you hope of a bright future, of reconciliation, of redemption. And we're going to hear stories of that over the next two weeks, next week and the following. So I hope you'll be here for that because we're going to give you the other side of this. But right now we need to focus on the priorities. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in a different letter to the Colossians 3, 1 through 2. He says this. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, we need to put our eyes and our thoughts on the things that matter, the glass ball stuff in our life. We need to kind of set this aside. We need to stop worrying about this, thinking about this, you know, consumed by this. This is what Jesus says. This is how he puts it. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? He shares it in that sermon. Listen to what he says, Matthew 6. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Let me just pause for a minute ask you an important question. Where's the desire of your heart? Where are you storing up treasure? Where are you putting all the eggs in your basket? What, what, what are you giving your whole life to? Is it things that are going to last or is it things that are going to be gone? In a moment. The truth is that Scripture tells us three things are going to last forever. Okay? I don't know if you've ever heard this. I've talked about it a little bit. I've glanced off of this at times at Northridge. But three things are going to last forever according to God. The first thing that's going to last forever is Scripture. God's Word. God's word is very clear that this is going to last forever. I'm not saying this particular Bible you understand. I'm talking about the words that are in here, the, the message and the story and the love and the redemption that Jesus lays out, that God lays out for you from the beginning to the end. This is going to last forever. It's never going to go away. It's never going to be destroyed. No matter how many Bibles or people try to get rid of or burn, or get, it's never going to go away. It's going to last forever. That's, that's number one. You know, another one that's going to last forever? You're going to know this one. God. God's going to last forever. He, he didn't even have a beginning, but he's also not going to have an end. He lasts forever. Eternal. And then this is the shocking one that people don't usually think about. You know what the third one is? The, the third one that's going to last forever? You. You and I. We're going to last forever. Did you know the Bible tells you that? That you are eternal. Now, you had a beginning point. You had a physical start point. I know that. Like, we can trace that. We have a birth date, right? We celebrate those. Woohoo! Right? It's great. 
But we don't have an end. We will continue past this earth forever. For eternity. We are eternal. Scripture's going to last forever. God's going to last forever. We're going to last forever. People are going to last forever. You know what that tells us? In fact, let me, let, me, let me take this one step further. Remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing in all of life? What's the greatest commandment? You know what, you know what his answer was? He gave two answers. He didn't give just one. He, didn't, he gave two. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Remember that? That's what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he said the second commandment is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, let me simplify it because we simplify it all the time. And it's a good simplifying. In this, in this case, it is. Sometimes we simplify too much. Love God. Love people. You know what Jesus just declared for you? He said everything in life is a rubber ball except for the things that are going to last forever. Eternal. This stuff's going to go away. This stuff lasts forever. Temporary. Forever. Moth, rust, is going to destroy it. Never going to be destroyed. It lasts forever. And the question is, are we focusing on those things that matter? So I was listening to an interview uh, Craig Rochelle was doing uh, with Rory, a guy named Rory Vaden. And... Um, Rory Vaden is kind of like, a, he's a time management expert, leadership expert, you know, kind of guy. And it was a really good interview. And I was listening to Rory Vaden, but one of the first things that they did at the beginning of this interview is Craig Rochelle asked Rory Vaden what he thinks about time management. Because Rory has a different way of adding something to the matrix that we just talked about. So you remember the matrix that we talked about? Everything fits into either urgent and or important. You know what Rory Vaden did? He said, that's era two thinking. He said, we need to actually go forward in our thinking. We, we've lost a piece of that level. He's not saying the matrix is wrong. He's just saying we need to deepen it a little bit. So he, he took this and he said, urgent and important. And then he added a third level. Let me tell you what they are. So urgency, according to Rory Vaden, is how soon something matters, right? It, it's talking about timing. House is on fire, right? Wife gives me a look. I better take care of that right now, okay, right now. Urgent. It tells you how soon it matters, okay? The next one is, the next level is importance. It tells you how much something matters, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is it important? How much does this matter? Okay, so we get that. That's the matrix. We understand that. Now, there's a third level, though, that Rory Vaden mentions, and this is the, this is the game changer. This is what changes all, the whole game. And it actually fits with Scripture so perfectly. He said there's a third level to these two. And he said that third level is significance. And it's very simply how long something matters. Wow. That's huge. That's a game changer. Because how long something matters tells you how much you need to invest in it. We need to stop investing in things that are going to last 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And some of you are like, that seems like kind of a long time. Let me prove to you that it's not. Not even remotely close. We need to expand our thinking in a huge way. 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 
Not a lot. Let me, let me try to prove it to you. Uh, so I need uh, a couple of volunteers. Uh, Ted, would you be willing to grab the rope on this side? William, would you be willing to grab the rope that's laying on the side, on that side? And uh, you guys are just going to stretch this rope really tight and hold it up in the air and then bring it kind of forward so I can kind of reach it, so I can kind of reach the middle of it. Yeah, all the way, yeah, bring it all the way here. Okay, so... Um, yeah, I'm giving you guys a workout this morning. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, so this rope, and this, I did this, this, this whole illustration two years ago. So some of you already remember this. Can I tell you the truth? Uh, I, was, I was thinking, I, I told God, I was like, I already did that illustration. <laughs> he brought it to my mind, and he would not let me let it go. I was like, okay, I'll do it again. This rope... I want you to imagine that the ends of this rope, they go all the way that way as far as you can go for eternity. It never stops. It just keeps going. Same way over here. Okay, It doesn't stop with William. It keeps going forever and ever and ever. It never stops. This rope represents eternity. Okay, Understand that. And here what I'm going to do is I'm going to pinch the rope right in the middle. You know what this pinch represents? It represents my life in the scope of eternity. I am a pinch on the rope. You know what scripture says, actually? This is scriptural, so don't, don't get offended by me. You know what scripture says? Scripture says our life is a vapor. It's a mist. He's not saying your value. Now, some of you are like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of brutal. Like, that's, that's horrible. Like, I, I'm, I'm more valuable than that. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, yeah, you are. You are unbelievably valuable because God gave you intrinsic value by creating you in his image. This is not talking about your value. It's talking about how long you exist in the scope of eternity. God says, it's a mist, it's a vapor, it's just a pinch. Let me ask you this. Just a couple, just a couple more minutes, guys. You guys are doing awesome. They're like, please hurry up, Pastor. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ted, whatever you did. I'm serious about this. Catch this. Please catch this. Are you living your life for the pinch? Or are you living for the entire rope? Are you living for the pinch? Or are you living for eternity? Thank you, guys. Good. I would say if we were going to be honest, for most of us, we tend to live for the pinch. Don't we? We put all of our eggs in that basket. Live it up the best you can now. Let me just tell you, this earth, this planet, it's not the best part of eternity. Oh, it's good. I'm not saying I don't love my life. I do. I'm not saying I don't love my wife. I do. I love my children. What God has given to us on this planet is amazing. It's not always great. It's not always perfect, but it's amazing. Can I just tell you that eternity, this is going to pale completely in comparison to the presence of God in eternity. It will pale. It's not even, it's not, we can't even fathom it. We have to stop living for the pinch and start living 
for the eternal, for the forever. Let me give a couple of examples of this and then we'll be done. So that same guy that was being interviewed, Rory Vaden, he was sharing this story at the very beginning of the interview. He said, he said, you know what gave me this idea of significance? He said, I realized that all the time management stuff that I'd been given was all logical, like calendars and reminders and blocking off time. And he said, all of it was logical. And he said, I realized that time management is not logical. It's more emotional and relational. We are choosing what we're going to invest in and what we're sacrificing every single time we make a decision. And he told this story. He said, where that came so true to me, he was, it was a Saturday morning and he was with one of his colleagues, a, a work colleague. And, uh, and they were, it was a Saturday morning and they were getting ready to sneak out the door to go to a work meeting. And this colleague's daughter caught them. She, she saw them sneaking out the door. It was early Saturday morning. And so she ran down. She was really young. I don't know what age she was, but she ran down and she leapt and she grabbed a hold of her daddy's leg. Have your kids ever done this to you? My kids have done this to me. They think it's hilarious because then they, they're like, hey, let's see if we can get them to fall. Grabbed a hold of her, of her dad's leg. And you know, you can just see her. She's looking up at her daddy, right? And she says, daddy, where are we going today? And her daddy looked down and said, oh, sweetie, I can't, I can't go with you today. Daddy has to go to work. And his daughter looked up and she, and she started to, to, you know, tears are welling up. And she looked up, she said, daddy, no, no more work, no work today. And it was in that moment that Rory realized time management is not logical. It's very emotional. It's very relational. It's, there's more to it than just time. And then what's interesting is Craig Groeschel was the one interviewing him, and, and he shared this story right after that. A few seconds later, he said, you know what, Rory? That hits me hard. It hit him right in the chest. And he said, you know why? Because I had a similar experience. When my daughter was three years old, I was walking out the door to go to work, and my daughter clamped on as well and looked up. And said, Daddy, where are you going? And, and he's, he looked down at his daughter. He said, Daddy has to go to the office. I, I have to go to work, but I'll be home later. And his daughter looked up at him and said this. Said, no, Daddy, that's, this isn't your home. You live at the office. Let me just say this. I know we have to work. I know we have to make money. Some of you are you're, you're bristling at this. Just stop. Get over it. And, and I'll tell you why. Because most of what we do is temporary. I'm here to tell you and remind you the most important things in life are glass balls. And you do not want to throw them down or shatter them because it's really, really hard to put them back together. God can do it. But let's make the decision now, today, that we're going to focus on our faith. Focus on God. Focus on the relationships of the people around us. Because of all the things in your life, the only things that are going to last forever is God, God's word, and the people around you. That's it. It's the only thing that's going to last forever. That's where we need to spend our investment, our time, our energy, our money. 
God and people. Period. So how are you going to do that? What do you need to do? Lay yourself down at Jesus' feet and say, I'm going to live for eternity, not the pinch. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I keep getting this sense, Lord, that that there's some struggle in the room with this. That, That we realize that what we've been talking about is true, and yet we're we're struggling with the, the reality of this life, of this sinful earth. The news that we keep hearing from the Middle East and, and the fact that we have to go to work at some point to make money and all of these things are fighting for our focus. They're fighting for our tension, God. And I feel this, even this tension in the room right now with that. And so, Lord, I just pray that that in these next few moments that you would just download who you are, the fact that you are eternal and that you call us to focus on and to to think about and to run after the things, the only things that are going to last forever in this life, and that is you and the people around us. God, that might mean that people in this room need to make a huge change in their life because they've been chasing after the pinch. They've been going after the rubber ball things in their life. They've been giving themselves away to things that don't matter that much. And now maybe they're realizing it for the first time. I pray that you would be gentle to give them your truth, but also make sure you hammer down on them to let them know this is something that is not only important, but it's urgent. If a change needs to be made, I pray it would be made today. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. What is guaranteed is that we're going to live forever. The question is where and how. And so, Lord, speak to us. Give us your truth, your love, your forgiveness, your redemption. And may we choose as best we possibly can to surrender our lives to your power, your will, your way, so that we can live for things that are eternal. Help us to lay ourselves down at your feet. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.